Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This is our second in the Meet the Hiker series and an opportunity to meet our hiker, Josh Stevie. Before we get to Josh, I do want to thank our amazing sponsors and donors who've helped us raise over $23,000 right now to support youth on course efforts here in Virginia. Obviously, walking 100 holes in a day takes strength and endurance, and our friends at Adams Performance have come on as our official fitness training and recovery sponsor. You may recall me having Dr. Kyle Adams on the podcast earlier this season. Kyle himself is TPI certified, and his team works with a ton of athletes and golfers, ranging from guys who play in VSGA super senior events to kids playing high school golf. Learn more about getting your athletic edge at adamsperformancerva.com. We also have apparel donations from our friends at Cutter and Buck and Turtleson. Both Cutter and Buck and Turtleson will be outfitting our hikers for this challenge. And when you make a Cutter and Buck purchase through vsga.org store, a portion of the purchase is donated back to the VSGA. So please check that out and Use promo code VSGA25 for 25% off regular priced items across their site. And lastly, our friends at Golfdom in McLean, Virginia. Buddy Christensen, owner of Golfdom, is another former guest on the podcast. Golfdom has a huge selection of equipment, apparel, and services for golfers at every stage of the game. We're grateful for their support and hope you'll visit golfdomgolf.com to shop their site or learn more. So like I said before, our guest this week is Josh Stevie. Josh lives in Northern Virginia, works in DC, plays all over Virginia and the United States. You may see him on Instagram as DC Link Soldier or in the pages of the catalogs for the Oceanside California brand, Link Soul. It has been a pleasure getting to know Josh during my time with the VSGA, and I'm sure you'll enjoy my conversation with Josh Stevie. Okay, Josh Stevie, welcome to the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. I'm so excited to have you on for so many reasons, but excited a lot that you're hiking with us as part of our 100-hole hike to support youth on course efforts here in Virginia. For folks who don't know you, don't know Josh Stevie, they're probably not thinking that that's even how you pronounce your last name if they have seen your last name. (laughs) Who are you and what do you do? Well, first of all, thanks, Matt. Um, it's a pleasure to be on with you, and um, I'm grateful for our friendship, and and uh, grateful for uh, you and the team at the VSGA for asking me to to, to hike with you guys uh, for Youth on Course. So, um, yes, Stevie is how you pronounce my last name. Uh, it's probably the most common question I get. Um, look, I'm just a, a a guy here in the D.C. area that's passionate about golf, um, trying to give back to the community um and meet folks around here who um are sort of cut from the same cloth okay that's it that's how that's how that's that's as far as you're gonna go all right we we, we try to pull some more out of you um what i think is you know how did you how did you come to golf so i've had and i've not read this article but i know that there was a, a great article on you on old line golf that I think he's a friend of yours or um, somehow acquaintance who did a really nice article on you. And I've had that up since it came out, but I've not read it. I've read it in pieces here and there. And really, really, I know, I know. (laughs) And really, really enjoyed what I have learned. Um, 
you are not necessarily in your full-time job in the golf industry, but you have a long history of golf. Talk us yeah. through how you got started with golf. Yeah. So look, I started, I started young. Like I think most folks, um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. I grew up playing, you know, our sort of our local Muni. Uh, we'd either pay, you know, six bucks to get out there and play it. Or, or sometimes we'd sneak on, uh, I was taught, uh, the game by, um, a man I refer to as pops, uh, who was my best friend's father. Um, who was really uh, a father figure to me and to several of others uh, in our in our neighborhood, who introduced us all to the game uh, around you know ten years old, um, and we would just go out and knock it around and have fun. Um, we didn't care what we shot, and we didn't really care where we were playing. Uh, so sort of developed my love then. Um, after high school, I joined the Marine Corps. I spent nine years in the Marines, uh, five years of it overseas. Um, and then my last four years, um, stateside. And, uh, when I left the Marines in, in September of 2007, I enrolled, um, at the Ohio State University, uh, and I went through the PGA program there, uh, the professional golf management program, uh, with my eyes set on, um, becoming a golf professional and, uh, perhaps teaching uh, the game because I really like to be out on the lesson tee and um, um, was always sort of fascinated by the golf swing and by teaching um, particularly uh, young golfers. Um, so that's really sort of how I got introduced uh, to the sort of the industry side. Um, and, you know, one thing leads to another. Um, and I, uh, I, I was given the proverbial offer you cannot refuse um during my senior year at ohio state university so i left the golf industry uh and came to dc to sort of continue my public service and um uh, i i now uh, i'm a spokesman for the department of justice and uh but still i'm trying to maintain my connections to the golfing uh, community in the industry yeah wow that i mean Number one, thank you so much for your service to to, the, to our country. Number two, thank you for your service to golf and to what you do, the connections that you make with the people that, that you make. Talk a little bit about how you get connect, how you've been connected with some of the folks that you have and have mm -hmm. seen those seen those flourish. I, I think probably most notably your relationship with Link Soul and John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham and you know what they're doing, but but what you do for them. Yeah, sure. Uh, look, that, that I think like most things in life, the things that sort of uh, happen organically are the, are the best things. Um, I don't know how or, or why I started getting Link Soul catalogs uh, in my mailbox, but they just started showing up one day. And um, I don't know, it just really resonated with me, uh, the yeah. whole vibe of it, you know? Um, and at some point I just sent a, like a, you know, uh, I went on their website and I kind of sent them a message just saying like, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. You know, it hits home for me. I spent two years in the Marine Corps in San Diego. So I totally got the kind of, you know, Southern California beach kind of vibe that they have going on there. And, um, and I just said, look, you know, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm passionate about golf and the golf industry. And if there's everything, anything that I can do to help, you know, I, I'd love to do that. 
Um, and the next thing that I knew, uh, I got an email from John Ashworth, um, you know, telling me, you know, thank you for my note that he'd shared it with his whole team. And then it was really sort of inspirational to them and, um, and asked me for my help on a couple different projects they were working on. Um, so Coder sort of took me up on my offer, uh, which was totally unexpected, but I was very grateful for it. And um, we just started working together. Um, and I got to know the Lynx whole team, John and, and Jeff Cunningham in particular, and Lauren Milner and um, Eli Ivy at the Goat at Goat Hill Park and, uh, and several others. And they're just, you know, they really are a, a, a family operation that um, uh, is full of good people doing good things and um, just, you know, really grateful to, to still be a part of, part of their team. And what you bring to the table, correct me if I'm wrong, is some of the charitable components and you've aligned with the make par not war and some of their charitable giving. Can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, they were looking to, I mean, they're based in Southern California and Oceanside, uh, right next to Camp Pendleton, which is the largest Marine Corps base um, in the world, um, I believe. Uh, I believe it's bigger than Camp Lejeune. Um, but uh, they wanted to give back to the military community. Um, and, you know, through my nine years of service in the Marine Corps and, um, and just connections to different folks, I've, uh, I, I helped them um, engage in sort of giving back and finding, you know, the right charities to sort of donate to and, um, uh, and folks to partner with. So, um, you know, I serve on the board of directors for a charity called Warrior Canine Connection. Uh, which raises and trains service dogs that are then donated to disabled veterans in need. Um, and so that was a great fit uh, for the Link Soul team. Uh, John and Jeff were, were really excited about that partnership. And still to this day, 10% of proceeds from the Make Par Not War line at Link Soul go to charities like Warrior Canine Connection that they've partnered with. You talked yeah. about growing up and being able to play $6 rounds. And then you referenced Goat Hill Park. I mean, those two yeah. types of types of things, the atmosphere that's at Goat Hill Park and the accessibility of Goat Hill Park, um, and then a $6 round somewhere else is so much of aligned with what we talk about with youth on course and that opportunity for juniors to find access to golf for rounds of $5 or less at 35 courses across Virginia, more to come online soon, and then 1,400 courses across the country. When I asked you if you would consider to hike with us, I don't know if I even finished the text and you had already said yes. <laughs> what? Thank you yeah, for, yeah. For, for saying that. What did you know about Youth On Course? How, how, did, how does this speak to you and, and so quickly? Yeah. Uh, I, I knew relatively nothing about Youth On Course, right? Um, and it was, it was really less uh, for me about the organization than it was about the mission. Um, and that really resonated with me. You know, grow, I was not a country club kid. Um, I did not, you know, my parents weren't dropping me off at the, at the course or at the club to, to, to play when I was, you know, in the summertime while I was a kid. So like, getting out to our, our, you know, the municipal golf courses in my community were really important to me um, in being introduced to the game and, being, and having access to the game. Uh, and thankfully, those courses were relatively cheap. I distinctly remember 
uh, scrounging uh, change and, you know, looking in my, my dad's jeans pockets in the, in the laundry room, trying to, you know, to, to, to get together six bucks to go and, uh, and play this uh, municipal course that we had um, relatively close to us called uh, Kitty Hawk, um, which sadly is, uh, no longer exists. Uh, in Dayton, uh, Ohio. Uh, it was where the Wright brothers were from, um, and, which is why it was sort of named uh, named Kitty Hawk. Um, but uh, yeah, having access to, to to public golf courses that you know would you know gave me the opportunity to get out there um, and play. Um, you know, I did. You know, I came from a. I wasn't poor when I was a kid, but we weren't. We didn't have a lot of money. You know, my. My dad was a plumber. My mom was a was a secretary, and um, so you know we really needed to have um, courses in our community that that were at that price point. Um, and I think that you know Northern Virginia um, can be you know where I live. I live in, in Alexandria. It can be a pretty expensive place to live. So to the, to the extent that some of these courses are going to participate in this program. Um, and make available their golf course to junior golfers in the area that may not have, um, you know, access to a lot of disposable uh, income uh, to go and do things like this was, um, it, it immediately resonated with me. And, you know, I always have my eyes wide open for uh, opportunities to give back um, or pay it forward. And this was, this was a no brainer. Well, thank you. We're happy to have you with us. And you're going to be hiking with Don Bostic of the Friars Golf Club and Glenn yeah, Gray, buddy. the VSGA board member. Um, you're hiking at Schoolhouse 9. Talk a little bit about Schoolhouse yeah. 9. I know you've been there and I know I know for anybody yeah. who's experienced Schoolhouse, it's, it's, it's special for them. Talk a little bit about um, what you see at Schoolhouse 9. Yeah, well, well Schoolhouse 9 is is special for me to me for many reasons. Uh, I think first and foremost, a very good friend of mine, uh, Mike McCartan is the golf course architect uh, out mm -hmm. there. Um, so uh, Mike has been a good friend of mine for, for several years. And, you know, he's leading up a, a great effort with the National Links Trust um, uh, here in DC to renovate these, the, um, the, the city courses here. So um, anytime that I can support anything that Mike is doing, um, I'm, I'm always grateful for that opportunity, but yeah, Schoolhouse is terrific. I'm excited to be uh, hiking with Don Bostic, uh, who's another good buddy of mine at the Friars, um, and then Glenn Gray, um, uh, who you know I got to spend some great time with at Ballyhack uh, recently, um, and I know we, we're gonna we're gonna do Belmont and Richmond uh, at some point here soon. Um, so yeah, excited for those guys, and then Schoolhouse Nine itself, the golf course, you know. Um, uh, for folks that haven't been there, it's, you know, it's, it's in Sperryville, Virginia, sort of in the heart of the Shenandoah. It's beautiful, bucolic, sort of countryside. Um, it's called Schoolhouse because uh, it's, a, you know, located at an old schoolhouse there. Um, it's, you know, it's my kind of kind of mom and pop place. Like, you know, if, I, if I'm going to pick a restaurant, I like to go to like a, you know, mom and pop greasy spoon type place. Um, Schoolhouse Nine mm -hmm. is the greasy spoon of golf. Um, you know, you you pay for your round inside the Headmaster's Pub. Um, you know, you once you're done, you go back and 
you know, you get a beer and a burger and you go into their little arcade in there and you can play, you know, they have these classic pinball machines and, um, and skee-ball and all kinds of stuff. And it's in the old uh, gymnasium that was in the schoolhouse there. So it's got the, mm -hmm. you know, the old like wooden basketball floor and uh, it's just a really, really cool place. Mm. And it kind of transports you back uh, to another time. Um, so it, it, schoolhouse is awesome. Every chance I get uh, to go out there, I do. We had a great golfer's journal event out there as well um, a year ago. So um, for folks listening, if you haven't been to schoolhouse, uh, definitely worth the trip. I'm glad you made some of those connections because you talked about it transporting you back in time and you referenced the golfer's journal. I wanted mm -hmm. to go to the article that you wrote in number five of the golfer's journal uh, for folks who are late to golfer's journal um, quarterly publications. It's just beautiful photography and, you know, different types of golf content that you're not going to get in, in some of the traditional golf content. Um, you wrote a great article about Laurel Hill uh, up there yeah, where you yeah. play, where you play a lot. Talk a little bit about, about that and what, what was next to Laurel Hill. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm obviously biased, but I think Laurel Hill Golf Club uh, in Lorton, Virginia is the best public golf course um, in the sort of the DMV area. Uh, the the layout and the design are fantastic. The conditions, despite the amount of play that they get, are always really, really good. Um, the folks there, the GM, Ryan Carmen, um, and his staff are, are, are fantastic. Um, so I can't say enough good things about Laurel Hill, um, but it has an incredible history. Um, I'm kind of a history nerd, uh, so it was particularly interesting to me um, to sort of dig into all of that. So it goes back to the early 1900s when um, uh, President Teddy Roosevelt um, wanted to uh, develop a, uh, a prison uh, that wasn't your traditional, you know, cell block and bars. Uh, he saw a lot of overcrowding in the prisons in DC. And he thought, you know, what these guys need is access to sunlight fresh air uh, and a hard day's work. Uh, so he established this working mm -hmm. prison um, in the countryside uh, of Virginia, um, which now doesn't look like much of a countryside uh, because of urban sprawl. Right. But, um, <laughs> but at the time, it was a long way uh, from downtown. Um, you actually had to take a barge down the Potomac River to get there. Um, so there was mm -hmm. just this, this working farm prison that was established um that uh, uh you know existed for decades um there were they hosted some um uh, a famous event where the suffragettes uh who were arrested uh in in washington dc protesting for their right to vote um hundreds of them were sent to the lorton prison um, some of them were tortured um and this was all right ahead of uh, the 21st Amendment, Amendment and, and women getting the right to vote. Um, so it sort of played a significant role in history in that way. Um, I mean, even prior to that, I mean, there were Civil War battles fought on that land. There were Revolutionary War battles or encampments that were on that land. Um, and then in the mid-50s, in the sort of the Cold War era, there was a nuclear missile facility 
that was housed on the property uh, of the golf course. It's actually right next to the seventh hole uh, today. Um, and I toured it before it was torn down and, you know, the old um, bunkers were still there and the control rooms for the missiles and the, you know, the silos that went six or eight stories into the ground uh, mm -hmm. were still there. Um, so incredible history through the nuclear war, or I mean, uh, the Cold War with the nuclear missiles. And then um, in the 70s and 80s, it really became an incredibly violent place. Um, matter of fact, it was one of the most violent prisons in the United States um, and just infested with drugs and, and violent, violent people. Um, so um, in the late 90s, they closed the prison down. Um, Fairfax County bought the land back from the federal government and they decided to build a world-class golf facility, uh, one that could host major tournaments. So uh, that's exactly what they got. They hired Bill Love and um, Brian Kington, uh, a good friend of mine, a credible golf course architect. Um, and they built Laurel Hill Golf Club. Um, and true to their vision, uh, a few years after it was built, uh, they hosted the USGA's Public Links Championship there. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it had a storybook finish. Uh, it, you know, it was a 36 hole match between Michael Kim and Jordan Niebrugge, and it came down to the 36 hole um, and the sort of great risk reward that uh, Bill Love and Brian Kington developed uh, at the 18th hole there, uh, kind of a shorter par five with a lot of risk reward. So, look, Laura Hill is great, um, uh, and I would encourage folks to, to, uh, to make the trek out there if, if they get a chance. Man, that is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so much of that. Yeah. Um, let's talk, shift briefly before we wrap about the actual 100 hole hike. Yep. I know that you are a typical Sunday bag individual, eight or nine yep. clubs in the bag. Yep. What is your, have you ever played a hundred holes in a day? What, yeah. what is your strategy going yeah. into this? I think the most holes I've played in a day was, 45 or 50 uh -huh. and that was either i think i played 45 holes at bandon dunes one time um and i think i played 45 or 50 at sweetens cove at, at one point um so no i've never played 100 holes um i did run the marine corps marathon without training uh okay. once before uh so which was an extraordinarily bad idea um but i finished um and, you know, I intend to finish this as well. Uh, look, doing it at schoolhouse is certainly going to help, right? It's a, it's a par three course. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, you know, look, I've went, I went to the Sunday bag, uh, nearly two years ago. I carry nine clubs in my bag now. Um, my handicap, unfortunately, actually went lower, uh, when mm -hmm. I went down to nine clubs. Um, so I'm not getting the shots that I used to get. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, super excited to do it out there. You know, the key to, you know, I learned this in the Marine Corps, right? Like you got to take care of your feet, number one, right? Mm -hmm. So extra socks, bring an extra pair of shoes, got to stay hydrated. Um, and then most importantly, like, you, you know, you're doing, you're doing it for all the right reasons and it's a great mission and it's, you know, the mission itself is uh, fantastic motivation, uh, knowing that, 
that uh, you know the the funds are going to youth on course. I should also say that um, um, you know we had a twenty five hundred dollar goal uh, to raise. Um, uh, proud to say that we sort of already blown past that. I think mm-hmm. I'm around four thousand dollars right now. And uh, the Dormy Network, uh, led by a very good friend of mine, Zach Peed, uh, uh, and his terrific staff there, they have pledged to match uh, any donations that I raise. So um, hopefully we can get it up to you know a little higher, and then Dormy Network will double it, uh, which will be fantastic. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I'm I'm glad to segue to that because that is a really special thing and. Uh, Dormy Network, we obviously have Ballyhack as part of their network, is in yep. uh, a member club here in Virginia, um, one that I know you know well. You referenced it being there with Glenn. And so it's yep. really special to have their support on board to to support what you're doing and what yep. you're doing to, to help make golf accessible for youth here in the Commonwealth is so amazing. It, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I can't believe this is only the second or third time that we've actually spoke, but it yeah. does. It really is a blessing to consider you a friend and um, for what you do in golf and what you've done in, in your service for our country. Uh, we're so grateful and it's special to have you hiking with us on the 21st. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Josh Stevie. You can pledge on Josh's hike or anyone else's at vsga.org slash youthoncourse and click on the 100-hole hike link. Keep an eye on the podcast feed and social media for more content related to the 100-hole hike, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.